0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Hamm, and joining me, Mr. Doug Christie. Doug, we're going to talk some off-season basketball here, man. How are you? I am doing
1: fantastic, man. Off-season, on-season, if we're talking basketball, I'm all in, baby.
0: He's all in. Uh, you know what? At this point, I'm all in, too. I've been writing player profiles for the last couple of weeks. Uh, that and some Vlade Divac's, uh Hall of Fame coverage, which was a lot of fun. Um, you had some great stories in there, Doug. Uh, maybe we'll touch base on that as, as we get through the pod today. Um, but uh, Team USA flamed out completely in the, uh, the World Cup. Uh, what's even worse is they aren't even playing for like a medal at all at this point. I think they have one game left, and they're playing to decide whether they finish 7th or 8th in the tournament. Um, How big of a disappointment is this for Team USA? And do you think it should have been expected? Or uh, is this just kind of the way it goes sometimes when uh, you can't get commitments from the big name guys?
1: Well, you you know what? I I think it's ultimately uh, disappointing, to be honest with you. Because regardless if we have our best of the best, I mean, if if you're going to say NBA is the best league in the world, and it absolutely is we had the most NBA talent on our team. Every single player was an NBA player. I think the other team that had the most was like four um, NBA players. But where we run into the issue and run into the problem, and and I spoke with Jerry Colangelo, and, and he said as much is, it's the synergy and the camaraderie that a lot of these other teams have, Serbia, uh, Australia, they get together in the summertime and they have a consistent group of individuals that is on the team. And, you know, you, you may change a little bit, or but, but for the most part there is a cohesiveness and a philosophy that everyone understands and everyone is on the same page. And normally what the U.S. does is they – field a team that is so much more dominant in talent that the talent can overcome the team togetherness that they face when they face national teams. And this particular team just could not do it. You look at a Donovan Mitchell and say, okay, is this going to be the time where he maybe steps into that next level of stardom? He was not able to do it. Um, And when you have that type of disappointment it's time for the USA to go back and figure it out when we talked to Jerry Colangelo he was saying that maybe in non-Olympic years Ham, that they start having a 23 and under team that is consistently together which brings the togetherness the synergy and all the things that you need to compete against these other teams that are together year round.
0: Yeah I mean Team USA has to figure something out uh, whether it's just having a couple of mini camps throughout the summer where the guys start to work together um, you know I, I just don't think that getting guys together for uh, one week where they're trying to make the team and the second week when they're trying to make the team and then oh look we're gonna go fly to Australia and play a bunch of you know games building up to it and then we're gonna go to China I mean first of all this this summer specifically, it, it's pushed so far back into September. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about training camp starting in two weeks and Bogdan Bogdanovich and Harrison Barnes are still playing and Corey Joseph was playing up until a couple of days ago. I mean, these guys are still playing in the Olympics and Amanya Bielica, I mean, still playing in, uh, in World Cup play. So I, I think a little bit of the scheduling was intentional. I think it was intentional by the, the FIBA group to push it back so then that way there would be fewer NBA players, especially, uh, specifically on Team USA, sort of level the playing field. Um, but if I'm Jerry Colangelo, I got to be careful here because this is an extra. It's not something that these players are getting paid a lot of money for. Uh, it's you know There's injury risk. Uh, they, they're asking them to be away from their families for a long stretch. I mean, this was a brutal schedule. I mean, you're talking... Mm-hmm. Again, a week in Vegas, then a week in Los Angeles, and then three weeks, two and a half weeks in Australia, and then another four weeks in in China, I mean, or three weeks in China. I mean, you're asking someone to give up like six, seven weeks of their life and their, their summer uh, for you, not, not really to make anything out of it. Um, you know, it's possible they get endorsements, it's possible, but I mean, you think... Plumley is going out and going to get a McDonald's sponsorship off of his performance at Team USA um, or, or half of those guys, you know, Brooke Lopez. So it's a, it's a strange thing. And to me, US, uh, Team USA, they, they've got to figure out a better way to manage their, their sort of talent pool and how they're bringing players along, but they also have to get those players along uh, together more than for a week or two here and there and not even knowing who's going to be on the team. They've got to figure out a way to to play this thing better and smarter, in my opinion. And I feel bad for Greg Popovich. It's his first time running the show uh, and they could not have performed worse. And they they look shaky from the start, Doug, and they never quite figured it out. What do you think it means for De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley guys that backed out late of Team USA? I mean, specifically Fox, he might not get invited back at all um, and I'm sure he's got his reason for why he backed out, uh, but he hasn't mm-hmm. been willing to share that yet. And I mean, what do you think it means for a guy like that?
1: You know, I, I don't, I think he'll be just fine to be honest with you, because uh, first of all, I don't think Jerry Colangelo will probably be, uh, running T- team USA by the time the next Olympics comes around. And if De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley are both playing at the type of level that I'm thinking, meaning that probably an all-star level, Kings are in the playoffs, you automatically have to bring those type of players to camp and allow them to compete for something. With that being said, you got this Olympics is coming up next year. Then you got four years. So we're talking five years away. So that means probably your steps, your um uh, LeBron James's your Kevin Durant, maybe uh, Kyrie Irvin, those guys aren't around. You're looking for the next group of stars to step in. And I mean, could this have really helped them? Yeah, because I, in my opinion, I think that both of those guys could have really contributed to what was going on with Team USA, but uh, it did not happen. And some people could say, oh, well, they could use it against them. I don't really think so. I think that they made the best decision for themselves just like so many other players did and if their careers continue to uh, elevate the way that it looks like in the the current trajectory of where they're headed they're going to be right there when the time comes
0: yeah I think so too I, I mean I would hate to see them really take it uh, take those guys to task when they did give up their time they did I mean um, a lot of the players didn't show up at all and guys that were already on the roster a guy like Darren Fox. Went from being, you know, like, hey, maybe you can make the team to, hey, let's go to Australia. Uh, we're gonna play you six minutes the night before we leave, and we're not gonna guarantee you any role. But come on, you know, hop on the plane. And I know uh, his agent, who he's very close with, uh, Chris Gaston. Um, he was getting married right at uh, right around September first, um, and so you know, they they had other, he had other plans and. Uh, to put everything down, and not know what kind of, what kind of fit, what kind of you know role you're gonna have, I just think was uh, was a little short-sighted by Team USA to not really be more committal, to, uh, more committed to them, um, and more honest about what was coming. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a competition, and you know, I think they really could have used Aaron Fox. I think they really could have used Marvin Bagley too. Uh, that team just really did look a little soft. Um, When it came to, you know, sort of uh, the post play and the agitator at the point guard position, I think Mm -hmm. those are two spots that they really did uh, sort of, they needed somebody else. And it wasn't just Derek White. When I was watching uh, Team USA, when I was down at the camp in in both Las Vegas and Los Angeles, uh, I noticed something, and that it was their default wasn't even to use Fox as a backup point guard it was to slide Donovan Mitchell over and have him run the point for segments as well. And I just don't think any of those guys really stepped up and played to their ability, really played that well in in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, but you know, Doug, who really did play well and who is the talk of the World Cup is Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, he absolutely blew up. He was tremendous in Serbia's run. Uh, they got bounced as well, but that wasn't because of him uh, for the most part. He was excellent all the way throughout the, ser- uh, the tournament. I think he had one game that wasn't over-the-top great. Everything else was like spectacular. Uh, he shot the ball well. He, he handled the ball. He did everything that Serbia needed from him. Um, what do you think that a, a breakout performance by a guy like him can mean to the Sacramento Kings coming up? I know it's a different style of play. And maybe he's more suited for, uh, you know, World Cup and, and sort of the international game. Um, but Manu Ginobili in 2004, he had a breakout FIBA World Cup. I believe it's 2004. And it it really helped him uh, sort of launch himself into his career in the NBA and into what he became as a player.
1: Well, when we saw Bogey at his best, that was not last year, the year before, uh, ultimately his rookie season in the NBA. But it was after he had won a world championship over um, uh, across the water. So he came with a resume and I had seen him play and a highly intelligent player can do every single thing on the court. I, I think last year was a blip, and to be honest with you. I think that the the knee uh, scope that he got early in the season kind of set him back. He never really got his legs underneath him and the, the game kind of fell in because if you would have said at training camp and you and I had talked, we probably thought that Bogdan was going to be the starting two guard mm-hmm. and Buddy had really found his way off of the bench as the sixth man for the Sacramento Kings but lo and behold uh, Bogdan gets uh, a little dinged up has to get a scope and Buddy Heald fills in and you could just never sit him down because he he was playing so good so uh, with Bogdan playing that way, I think that we're going to get the Bogdan that we got from the first year. Now that's going to be up to Luke how he goes about if he, if you know, if he brings Bogdan off the bench, well, how he sees the second unit, how, how he goes about that. But I, I think that all of a sudden the Sacramento Kings bench, regardless if it was Bogdan starting or if it was Buddy starting, has just improved immensely because if you're going to get 16 to 20 points off your bench plus four or five assists from Bogdan every single night and to to be honest I expected that last year the consistency just wasn't there because the legs weren't there I have no no I uh, question in my mind that Bogdan isn't going to come back and he's probably going to be a better version
0: than we've seen his rookie year
1: in my opinion
0: yeah his rookie season um you know it's funny the the statistical breakdown between his rookie season and his second season really isn't that different um when, when you look at on paper, uh he averaged fourteen point one points last year and eleven point eight in his rookie season. it's the shooting percentages, forty-one point eight percent, uh thirty-six percent from three, where he really kind of took dips. Um and and overall, I mean Doug, there was a stretch where I really thought uh that the conditioning became an issue. So the previous year Bogdanovich had played it's it was something obscene it was something like 70 games building up to the season and and even though he was good you got a really worn out version of I mean you could see sort of the outline of who he was as a player um, but he was clearly worn out I think you know overall between the NBA and his regular he played 140 150 games and it was just way too much you could see he was breaking down um then, of course, he goes into the offseason last year, and the first thing he did was he had to have a scope right at the end of the season. Uh, he had to have, a, I think it was a a little piece of cartilage cut out or something. Then he gets right before the season starts and playing for for Serbia, he hurt himself again and had to go in for a second procedure um, in a completely different location, but on the same exact knee. And I I think more than anything, it... We watched last last training camp was Dave Yeager basically ran like, like a high school football training camp where they ran and ran and ran and he was trying to get his players ready for the season. And then you, you get to the regular season and the Kings are sprinting and everybody else is jogging and no one knows what's hit them. They're like, what in the world is this team? They're so fast. Well, while that was happening, Bogdanovich was fighting to get back. You know, he missed ten of the first eleven games. Um, No, 11 of the first 12 games. He missed 10 in a row to start the season. He played one, then he took one off, uh, and then he played the rest of the year. Um, He was so good in November and December when he first got back, but we get to January and February, and he didn't get that training camp. And all of a sudden, the Kings are playing at this crazy speed that he didn't get to ramp up to, and I thought it caught up to him. And it it, it was funny. I, I would ask him, like, you know, are you okay physically? And he would say, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, he said, I'm not getting as many shots as I was before, which isn't the case. He was still getting a lot of shots. Uh, he just wasn't hitting them. And his percentages went down really low. So I'm excited to see what he can look like with a healthy, coming in healthy to a training camp. He's going to be a little worn out, just like Barnes is, just like Bielica and and Corey Joseph, like all the guys that we've talked about. At the same time, I- I'm excited to see what he can do if he gets a little break and then is able to come into the season healthy 100%. But that brings me to the other question, Doug, how do you fit all these guys in? Because Luke Walton has, he's got four guards and I'm not even going to throw uh, Yogi Ferrell or a guy like Justin James or Kyle guy. I'm not even going to mention those guys, but he's got Corey Joseph who, you know, averaged almost 28 minutes a game last year, 27, 28 minutes. You got De'Aaron Fox who was at 32 minutes. Uh, you've got Buddy Hill, who's at 32 minutes. You've got Bogdan, who's at 28 minutes. Um, that's not 96 minutes. That's a lot more than 96. What do you do in this situation? Clearly, they're going to have to steal from the small forward position as well, uh, which is what Bogdan did a lot last year. I think he started 17 games at the small forward position. But how do you manage that? The uh, Not just, you know, they aren't just your... Your guards—they're really the lifeblood of your team. You have your your you know number one ace in the hole, Deer and Fox. You have your best shooter. You have your best playmaker. You have your best defender, and those are four different players. So, what would you do, Doug?
1: You know, I think first of all, I, I think this is going to play its way out. But as I see it at this particular moment, one. Of- that the kings um, have at their disposal is they have depth. And I think that that depth is what you're speaking of, meaning, like, how do you get all these guys minutes? I think part of it is going to be the freshness in convincing them that guys, we may play a couple less minutes, but we're going to be fresher and be able to beat up on teams who might not be as deep as we are. So at the point guard, you got Fox and Joseph. Then you got Buddy and Bogey, Harrison and Trevor. Uh, Now you got Marvin, uh, you know, Deadman, Giles. Neminya and Rashawn Holmes. So, Uh, of all of that depending upon how the bigs are playing I think that ultimately you might see a lot more small ball than we've seen previously and what I mean by that is out of the bigs who is playing particularly well at that time let's say Marvin's playing well maybe Marvin plays the five and you go with Harrison and Trevor and now you got Bogey and Fox or uh, Buddy and Bogey sometimes uh, on the floor and allowing Bogey to handle the basketball or Trevor's off the floor and now you got Fox Buddy. The end bogey on the floor, so you could go with that more um, smaller five, but athletic with the ability to run. If you stay status quo, I, I just think that the the backups of each of those guys, meaning Trevor to Harrison, uh, Joseph to Fox, and Bogey to Buddy you know, you're going to even it out because these guys um, are deep and they have the ability to play at a really, really high intensity and high pace for maybe a shorter period of time.
0: Yeah, Doug, I I, I see what you're talking about. Um It's going to be on Walton to manage the personalities as much as anything, and I think he's got you know, solid veterans at some of these positions that kind of understand what they're up against when they signed. Corey Joseph knew he was signing to be De'Aaron Fox's backup. And I mean, it doesn't take a a brain surgeon to know that that guy's going to be on the floor playing between 32 and 34 minutes a night, maybe even a couple more minutes on certain nights. Um, And and I I can kind of see a trickle down what you're talking about, playing Marvin at the five. Uh, I do know, like having conversations with people inside that, you know they're going to be very conscientious about putting players that fit together. Uh, and until you really get them on the court, you don't really know how they're going to work together. Uh, but the thought process that I've heard is that with young players, they're going to be more inclined to you know, pair a guy like Harry Giles, a guy like Marvin Bagley, and a guy like Rashawn Holmes. Uh, they're going to have to be on the floor with a shooter at the four. Uh, or at the five at all times. And that means that Deadman and Nemanja Bielica are going to play minutes uh, until those guys can prove that they can go and and stretch the floor and keep the spacing that the Kings want to have on their team. Um, And so when you talk about Harrison Barnes going over and playing some four and Trevor Ariza playing some three uh, with the two of them together, I I believe that that's going to be the case. I I think we're going to see... Um, maybe 12 minutes a night where Harrison Barnes is playing the four. Uh, and then I think another 20 minutes a night where he's playing the three. So now I got another 24 minutes. Now I, I can't give all those to Trevor Ariza because I'm going to have to steal 12 to 14 minutes from, you know, my guard rotation to move over to that three as well with Bogdanovich or Heald or whoever it might be. So I, I really do think that this is a complicated puzzle. I was really surprised. Doug. I went, you know, I'm doing the profiles and I look up and uh, Trevor Reza plays a ton of minutes. I mean, in his 15th NBA season, he averaged 34 minutes a night. Um, and to me, that's just absolutely crazy uh, that he's still posting that kind of you know role with the team. Now, eventually he's going to have to take a step back and not play as much. But I think it's one of those things that they're going to have to figure out, that Luke Walton is going to have to figure out. And I'm glad I'm not Luke because... Um, you know, you're going to have to ask veterans like they have in the past, but veterans to take a huge step back, um, or you're not. And you're going to have to ask young players to play limited roles and hope that it works out. And it's complicated. It's complicated, Doug. Uh,
1: well, you know what? It's a good problem to have. I will say this, with Trevor Ariza playing that many minutes and you're right, he was playing 30 plus for most of the time you shave that back a little bit and you're pretty much splitting minutes. Some nights he may get more, uh, some nights he may get less. I think you're looking probably at a fresher Trevor Ariza, which is probably a better Trevor Ariza in the long run for the Kings. So I think that the depth of the Kings can play into their favor. I I would agree with you from the standpoint that it's going to be up to Luke Walden and his staff to try to find the synergy because you're right. uh, If, for instance, if Bogdan is the leader of the second group, it allows you to uh, let him play the point guard position. Corey Joseph doesn't have to handle the ball all the time. Sometimes he can. You can play Bogdan and allow him to shoot more balls. I think now your pick and roll probably becomes uh, a lot more prolific in the second unit because you got Joseph and you got Bogdan as opposed to the first unit. You're not going to really have Buddy running too much uh, pick and roll. It's going to be more De'Aaron Fox. So. So many things that you can play with. I think part of it's going to be how do the guys uh, start to play together? What groups of twos and threes and fours? look good together, and have the type of synergy. And then if you are going to play at the breakneck speed that I anticipate the Kings playing with, I, I think the depth plays into their hands, and that's going to be part of it. Is guys are going to have to understand that are you willing to sacrifice for the team and the culture because ultimately what are you trying to do? You're trying to win. And if this is a recipe that wins, uh, everyone should be on the same page.
0: I, I completely agree. It's, it is a good problem to have. It's still a problem, Doug. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, And I think the other thing they have is they have versatility, which they haven't had in the past. Um, you know, and this isn't like a knock on, on the players that they had, but last year when you go to the bench at your, your reserve point guard position, and basically you have two undersized shooting guards, uh, that, that neither one are great defensively. And that's your, who's coming in to, set up the offense and neither one of them are, are really natural point guards at that point. You know, Frank Mason was a scorer in college more than he was a point guard. Yogi Ferrell is clearly more of a scorer than he is a point guard. Uh, You were just really limited in what you could do. And the offense had to run through Bogdanovich. Now you have a guy who comes off the bench and Corey Joseph, who is an elite defender. He gives you something completely different. Plus he's got good size. He can play alongside De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt he can play alongside Bogdanovich, He can, you know, with Buddy Heald. He can play with just about anybody uh, because he has the skill set. And I think you look at the wing, you really have the same thing. If the Kings are going to run a switching defense, which they're not going to do initially, they've got to figure out how to play together and get their base decent defense set in. Uh, but then we are going to see a lot of switches, a lot of player movement. Um, having the ability to have Trevor Ariza and Harrison Barnes on the floor together uh two guys that are basically the same size that can defend multiple positions. Uh that just really does improve this team. And when you look at the the post players, you now have guys that are better natural shot blockers than what they had before. And it's not a huge knock on Willie cauley Stein. You brought a lot to the table. Uh but Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes, uh even Nemanja Bielitza, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley. All five of those guys are better shot blockers. They're better natural shot blockers than Willie Coley Stein. And so that helps your guard play. It gives them the the knowledge that they have people behind them that that have their back and that can slow penetration and help them. So I think it's going to be a really interesting puzzle to try to piece together um, when you really break it all down. I mean, Again, I'm glad that I'm not Luke Walton because there's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, but I also do like the versatility of the roster and how it's playing out.
1: Yeah, I think that this is, is, like you said, it's a good problem to have, and some of it will play out during training camp, but then some of them will play out during the year because guys will start playing better. I like the fact that you got the toughness with Rashawn Holmes. Also, the insurance policy, if Harry Giles is to go down like he did last year, wasn't able to play for a significant amount of time you obviously have a backup uh, four slash five that can come in and give you some really, really quality minutes. Not to mention Marvin Bagley can pretty much play 48 minutes if you want him to, because he's young and, and he has the ability. So there's insurance policies, there's depth. Now it just has to kind of feather its way out. Once Luke Walton starts training camp and we get ready to head to India. Yep. Uh, I,
0: I, I understand completely. I, I think the one thing I'll point out to you, br- you bring up India, um, the Sacramento Kings, this is crazy. Uh, I think media day is the 27th. Um, they have training camp the 28th, 29th, and 30th. And they leave for India um, on October 1st. And it's, it's a yep. six-day, seven-day trip. Uh, there's there's going to be two basketball games, preseason games. But the Kings basically are going to have three days to install whatever they're going to run. Uh, that when they get back, they'll have a couple of days in between preseason games to to further advance what they're trying to do. But we're talking about a season that starts in the third week of October, uh, and your first week of October is gone. So you're going to have two weeks to sort of balance out this roster, have all of your competition play out, and, and oh yeah, play three more preseason games. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting thing that you know it's sort of running into the season and i hope that that doesn't have a negative effect i hope that they're able to get as much as possible built into you know their roster and to their their game plan coming in but you just don't know doug uh that's it's a really compact schedule and i think it's going to be a little bit of an issue
1: you know you and i have uh, spent many hours on the road and we've talked about it i, I am of the mindset that Kings basketball needs to be a actual physical thing. And what I mean by that is if if you're going to have to run sets and learn sets, it's going to be difficult. But if you teach them how to play basketball and you you have some, some concepts, but you understand passing and cutting and helping each other, I think it becomes a lot more easy for the Kings to be able to do what you're talking about in a short amount of time because, they don't have to worry about a playbook that's, you know, four inches thick with all these different plays. You, you set them up into some, uh, you know, concepts. And then from there, you play basketball, two man basketball, three man basketball, helping each other. And once that happens with the skill set that the Kings possess, I think they'll be all right.
0: You know, Doug, I, I did a lot of research um, last week, the week before, on. Your guys' team, the you know the great golden age of Sacramento Kings basketball for Vlade Divac, um, his induction into the Hall of Fame, which went smooth and you know was absolutely a wonderful event for Vlade and his family, uh, and for all of you guys. Um, you know, and we I, I wrote a lot that week, um, but the one thing that i found like the prevailing theme with you guys was always family, um, and I, I guess you know. We're, we don't have all day here. So, but quickly, how do you think that, that that family and that, uh, because when you're, when you're a family and you're playing together, it becomes, you know, second nature to share the ball and to move the ball and to be, uh, you know, something sort of different. How do you get that?
1: You know, it's, um, first of all you you got to enjoy being around each other and enjoy each other's company and that that was part of you know the the basis of what we were and what we were trying to do is you know we enjoyed each other because then you care about each other on a deeper level and when that happens you're fighting for each other on a different level uh it it takes a, a bit of time i would say that in some instances, you we caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, you got guys from Serbia, guys from Turkey, Washington State, Michigan, uh, all over the place. But the, the synergy came together quickly. And one thing I'll say about Vlade is, it, as you look at this team, he's assembled good kids, good guys. They, they seem to like to be in the gym and like to, to work together. They have a, a good time together. They can rib each other without guys getting all been out of shape and all that type of stuff those are the the things that bring a family together because it's only good when everything is good uh it's not going to happen for you because out there on the floor things don't always go well but that's when the support of each other comes in and i think that that type of culture is what has has been being built since vlade came back And I think that this is probably the first year that we're going to really see it. And I'm hoping that it truly manifests itself because these guys
0: care about each other on a, on a deeper level. Uh, I would agree, Doug. I mean, that's where we're at at this season. If they're going to be successful, um, you know, there's a lot of excuses coming into this year. We're young. uh, We had to go to India. Um, A lot of us played in world cup. There's a lot of excuses, but um, at, at a certain point, you know, this team has to come together and actually be what everyone thinks that they can be, which is something special. Um, and you hope that they get that. And uh, again, they're young and maybe they won't, but they also, uh, you know, guys like Harrison Barnes, um, guys like Trevor Ariza and Dwayne Dedman and Corey Joseph. Uh, these guys have been around the game for a long time. Even Nemanja Bielica and, uh, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, they've been professional basketball players for a long time. And they know what a good culture feels like. Uh, they know how to keep guys in check. So I really do hope that we start to see um, sort of this maturation of this team. And it's got to come together quickly because the West is brutal. Uh, but I, I think there's still there's a lot to like about what's happening. I hope that they're already working together behind the scenes trying to get these things done. I know Walton took his, uh, his coaching staff on... Like, a, a new, he, they took an adventure up to Lake Tahoe for some team building. And, I mean, that's a whole nother story that we haven't even touched on where this coaching staff all but, you know, we got Jesse Mermes and, and Luke Walton who have been together, but the rest of these guys, they've, they've never coached together. They've got to pull this thing together quickly. Um, and not just, you know, not just the players and all of these new assets that the Kings have uh, to work with, but also, the entire environment, it's all new, it's fresh. They've got to figure out a way to pull it together quickly, and hopefully they can. Um, all right, man, I, I think we're done for the day. Do you have any final thoughts, Doug?
1: You know, uh, the, the only thing that I really was thinking while you were just saying that, Ham, is when we talk about the ability for the Kings to pull it together and we talk about family, um, tough times and uh tough situations are what really galvanize so when you talk about a western conference that is going to be tough there's no better place than to figure it out and to help each other because one of the things that we were together as a team back then we were brutally honest and we could go at each other and say things to each other without each other taking it in a bad way so listen if you're going to be going through the gauntlet at a western conference and you're not playing well, or you're not doing something. That is the perfect time to constructively be able to get on each other, which is ultimately going to bring out the best in each other. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Now, Doug, uh, I'm I'm going to finish with this. Um, if you didn't have time to read uh, my my part one and part two of the the Vladi Devak enshrinement, um, you should. I mean, it, there's some incredible quotes in there. Um, able to land like a lot of cool guests that you know, uh, even Jeff Petrie, uh, you know, got on the phone with me and, and sat there and chat, chatted, uh about Vlade and his you know his tenure with the Kings. Um, but Doug, there is uh, a story hiding in that in that piece about uh, Vlade being a prankster, and I think a lot of people have heard the. Um, Bobby Jackson walking in his boxers and shoes singing, who let the dogs out in New York. Um, but the Mike Bibby story to me um, was so incredible. And it, it's a story that I talked to you about a story I talked to Vlad about and a few others. Um, but Mike Bibby uh, and a mini me cut out. Is that how it kind of goes? Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, Mike was sponsored by Jordan brand and they made this, steel gray Jordan sweatsuit that resembled what we saw with Mini-Me and Austin Powers. <laughs> and I don't know how Vlade figured it out, but as soon as Mike walked in, he had him on the sweatsuit and there was Mini-Me sitting at his locker. And, and we uh, we laughed until we almost pissed ourselves, man. We, it was so funny. Mike wasn't very <laughs> happy about it, but that is, that is Vlade Divac. He is the jokester and it comes at, you know, those proper times when, like I said, things aren't always going right, but it keeps you together. And if you can't laugh at yourself, man, that's probably not the
0: locker room for you. All right. Well, that, that sums it up. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider podcast on NBC sports brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, make sure to give us a, a rating and a review. We appreciate the feedback. Um, we'll be back next week we'll, we're going to start cranking this thing up we're going to bring in guests uh, and we might do a little bit of a facelift on on the Kings Insider podcast we might even like switch names and uh, have new cool intros and outros and all kinds of stuff coming up so uh, make sure to tune in uh, training camp is I think it's only two weeks away uh, so gear up yep. Kings fans it's almost time basketball is almost back Doug
1: Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. Appreciate you me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast.
1: win your share of one million dollars with the bet rivers beat the spread challenge when you bet on pro football games at bet rivers this season you can win weekly and season-long prizes every time you beat the spread you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes see official rules for details download the bet rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning presented by rivers casino portsmouth must be 21 playable in virginia only gambling problem call 1-888-532-3500